So let me tell you what I'm doing today. Today we're going to talk about, and this is our last portion of the Audible series, and we're calling this How to Hear God's Voice in Worship. So I want to tell you a little bit of something about how this is kind of different in terms of a sermon. Every sermon is a topic. You know, every, I don't care if you sp- preach straight through a chapter or a few verses or if you preach through a book for six months. Every sermon's a topic. But today I'm actually going to preach to you uh, a, an actual topical sermon, meaning that it's not, it's not just uh, one passage. And we're going to, because there's just a lot of passages that I want to look at. And I want to say um, something to you this morning. We'll have the verses on the screen and there is a, a certain passage that I, I do want you to, to go to in a minute. But today, I want to talk to you about the fact that God does speak in worship. You know, every Sunday you get in your vehicle and you come to church. You get up, you get ready, you know, 50-50 you have an argument with your spouse you know, I, I don't. Y'all do. I hear about it. Uh, but that was a good joke, and y'all totally missed it. Um, but but I, uh, I get up, and, and you come to church, and you, and you come for a reason. You come for a reason. And I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty this morning, and I'm just going to talk to you about things I've learned in my Christian life. You know, I'm not the greatest teacher. There are some guys that are great teachers, and then there are guys that are preachers, and then there are guys that are prophets, and, you know, there are guys that are evangelists, and every, every guy in my position has his own bent and his own flavor. And I, I would not personally call myself a great teacher. I, I tend to lean toward preaching more, and that may not make a lot of sense to you, but it's, there is a differentiator there. And, um, but to this morning, I'm just going to I'm just going to make an attempt to teach you some things I've learned about God and I've learned about the Christian life. You know, we have a God that encounters us. If you go into the Old Testament and if you go into the New Testament, there's one thing you're going to notice about God. He's not just a God from the neck up, right? Meaning he's not just a God that you encounter intellectually. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with what? With your heart and your soul and your mind. I mean, your whole body. Now, you know, uh, so it's not just Christianity is not just a cranial experience. If you, if you go back from, from think, about even, think about even in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and boom, there it was. God formed man. Moses met a burning bush. Jonah met a whale. Right? I mean, it's on and on and on. When they prayed in the book of Acts, the house shook. When Jesus encountered Paul, whammo, it was a blinding. We have an encountering God. God loves encounters. And, and worship is no different. And this morning, I want you to understand that when it comes to worship, worship is, is not a noun. Worship is a verb. Worship is a verb. Worship is something that you do. It's, it's not just something that you just kind of stroll in. And, and so... I really believe that worship is an encounter, and I believe that God also speaks to you in worship. And I would say this, before we move into this this morning, that obviously I would be a crazy man to tell you that, you, that there's some algorithm that you could put into motion, and when you come to church, if you do one, two, and three, then God will speak to you. Well, that's crazy. I, you know, I've often heard it referred to like this. 
that when it comes to God moving, it's kind of like the wind and a sailboat. It's our job to raise the sail, and then it's God's job to make the wind blow. You know, I can't, I can't make the wind blow, but I can raise the sail, and I can prepare myself for the Lord to speak. And that's kind of the, the attitude we're going to take this morning as we go into it. So if you do have a Bible, and I hope you do, I do want you to turn to Exodus chapter 19. We're not going to start there, so that's already a mistake. I'm telling you to go somewhere. We're not starting. But we are going to go there in a minute, and I want you to be able to pull that up. Exodus chapter 19. So and, and as we look at how does God speak to us in worship, because I do hope you come to worship wanting God to speak to you. At least, you know, you go through a lot during the week, and there's times you got a sales meeting coming up. There's times you got to meet with a, a vendor. There's times you have to, you know, go into a session this week that maybe you, you need the Lord to speak. And, and so you need worship. In fact, I would even say right out of the gate, the first thing I would want you to know, the first truth is, is that we are commanded to come together for worship. We are commanded to come to, it's, it's a command. And, and in Hebrews 10, I got the, I got the verse there for you. It, 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 look at what the writer of Hebrews says. I put it all on one screen. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. As it, is the, as, as it is the habit of some, in other words, there are some that forsake that habit, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is the day of Christ returning. But look in the, I underline that for you. What does the writer of Hebrews tell us? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's, it's a really important thing that we worship together. And, you know, you've seen in this COVID season how much, I hear it every week from multiple people at Clearview. I miss worship together. I miss being at church. I miss, you know, it's given us a hunger for that. And when you come together in worship, I want you to realize that it makes a statement. Listen to me. It makes a statement when you come to worship. Parents, I want you to know it makes a statement to your sons and daughters that you put worship as a priority. Now, I'm, now don't, don't, don't read into that what I'm not saying. Some of you grew up that, as the old saying goes, if the church doors were open, we were there. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's, that's the prerequisite. What I am saying is that we're commanded to, to worship and we're commanded to convene and come together. And the Lord is serious about that. It shows that you put the kingdom first. So when it comes to encountering the voice of God, you know, how do you, how do you hear God in a worship service? How do, you, how do you go about doing your best to set the sail and that God would make the wind blow? What, what do you have to do for that to happen? So I'm going to walk you through some principles I've learned in my life when it comes to worship. And I would, the first one I would say is this, prepare yourself to meet with God. Prepare yourself to meet with God. When you get up in the morning and you get ready to come to church, you need to prepare yourself to meet with the Lord, right? Start doing that right out of the gate. Now, I understand. Now, if you go back and read the Old Testament, there were all kinds of prerequisites and rituals that people had to do before they went into the temple. And there were even more rituals when they went into the Holy of Holies, you know, and there were more rituals when the, only the priests could do certain things and the people couldn't do certain things. 
And I understand that Jesus tore the veil, right? Jesus tore the veil, and that means we have access to God 24-7. In other words, it's what Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on the door about was that you don't have to go through me to get to God. Aren't you glad, by the way, that you don't have to go to Jason? Boy, we would all be in like severe trouble. If you know, because how, how's that going to work? And, and so you don't, the veil was torn and we have access to God. But look at what Hebrews 4 states. Look at this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, but he was without sin. It's an important verse. You need to dwell on that later this week. Jesus faced everything you face, all of it. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in help in, to help in time of need. Now, I'm going to leave that there for just a second. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. See, you don't have to go through all these rituals and all these cleansing. Jesus tore that down. You, in other words, you have access to God when you want it. But I want to also say something to you, Christian friend, now all those listening out there in digital land. Listen to me. At the same time, when you look at who God is and who we are, while it's true that you can access God anytime you want, the reality is that I believe we should never just stroll up into God's presence. Think about it. You know, some of you grew up in a era where you had your Sunday best. Remember that? The, the clothes that were that hurt. I remember the, the hurting clothes. That's a great way to get, have a good memory about church is, you know, when I get in my own, I'm wearing what I want to church, right? And, and uh, that, that sort of thing. I remember my mom, I don't know where she would find them, but she would find the stiffest pants known to man. And I, I, I couldn't even walk, you know. It was, sorry, Mom. She's probably going to listen. I'm messing up already. Um, but I know that, that we don't have to put on tuxedos to come into God's presence. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, friends, is that God's not our pal. He's not our pal. He's not just somebody we just approach. He is a holy God. And we need to prepare as such. And that's why I wanted you to go to, to Exodus 19. So in Exodus 19, the people are getting ready to talk with God. God has been talking to Moses. And by the way, one of the things that's just so intimidating to me when I read about Moses, it says... In Exodus 33, it says that Moses talked with God. It says, actually, it says that God talked with Moses like a man talks to a friend. Can you imagine? I mean, that's pretty heavy. God and Moses had a special relationship. And in, in, in Exodus 19, God, God and Moses have been in a conversation. And in verse 10, it says that, it, it says that the people are about to meet with God and Moses was supposed to get them ready. So in verse 10 of chapter 19, this is what it says. The Lord also said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Wash their clothes. Wash their garments. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. 
and you shall set bounds for all the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up to the mountains or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountains shall surely be put to death. And he goes on down, on and on about getting ready. So, But if you look there in, in verse 10 and 11, one of the things you notice is that for 72 hours, the people were to prepare. Imagine that on Wednesday... You started doing special things, getting ready for Sunday. Now, Jesus tore that veil in two. We don't have to go through all the regulations. That's, that's the whole part of that we can access God. But my, my point is that we are, I believe if you want to encounter God's voice, Christian friend, if you want to encounter God's voice, you need to prepare before you come, asking God to meet with you. Let me ask you a question, a practical question this morning. If you knew... If you knew, I want you to picture your mind right now, okay? I'm thinking of our, our vanity, you know. Michelle has like 90% of it, and then I've got this little section right here, you know. Yeah, that was judgment already. I'm getting on talking out of school, right? I want you, I, I'm, I'm thinking of our vanity right now. Maybe you're thinking of your driveway. Maybe you're thinking of your Sunday morning coffee. You have a routine on Sunday mornings, right? I guarantee you do. Maybe you eat cereal. Maybe, maybe you, I don't know, maybe you have a conversation. Maybe you walk the dog. I want you to think about your Sunday morning routine. If you knew that you were going to meet with holy God, would you be late? I guarantee you wouldn't. Would you be late? You wouldn't be late. Now, I'm not chiding anybody. I mean, don't, 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 you know, don't read into stuff I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, you, you see a friend you hadn't seen in a while, talk with them, man, have some fellowship. Just make sure you come in for the sermon. Who cares what Alexis does? Come in, come in for the, the sermon time. That's what matters the most, right? Right? But no, the, the truth is, I, we're, not, we're not about being Pharisees. I'm not, don't, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, if you really did know, you were going to meet with God today? Would you stroll up in here with coffee and a bagel? No, you wouldn't. See, I think one of the things the seeker movement did, the secret movement was so needed. Oh, my stars, it was needed. It's still needed. I mean, it, the seeker movement is needed in Christianity. There are so many people that are scared to death to come to church. They, they weren't even raised in church. And, it, and, it, and, and, and so the seeker movement made uh, God accessible, but like, like what we do in Christianity is we tend to go extremes. We, we go so far one way that, that we forget that God is a holy God. Before he's anything else, he is holy, and you need to prepare to meet with him when you do. And that, that would lead me to my second truth, and that is to expect to meet with God. When you come into to worship, I would ask you to expect, that's the second truth I want you to write down, expect to meet with God. Expect to meet with God. Now, there's something about expectation that really matters a lot. You know what? Now, this, is, this isn't tucked away somewhere in Leviticus, okay? This is like in 1 Jason somewhere. And, but but the, the, the reality is I, I, I believe when you come to church, really, when you come to church, you need to bring a few things. You need to bring a prepared heart. You need to bring an expectant heart. But you know what you need to bring, friends? You need to bring a Bible. You need to bring the Word of God, Word of God with you. 
Bring the word of God with you. You know what I have in my Bible? All the, when I'm just sitting in the crowd, if I go to a conference, I, I'm never showing up without some kind of paper sitting in there, some, t- some card or something to write on, and a pen. Because I can't tell you the number of times that somebody has said something in a worship or a song, a song sparked a thought, and something came up that I needed to write it down right then. Because the Lord spoke to me about a relationship or a friend or a work issue or money or one of my kids. or You need to come ready. So that when God speaks, man, you're ready to, to jump on that. And, and listen, I, I understand, and, and please hear me. And, and this is going to be something, I'm on a little bit of thin ground here. And I, I want you to know that I recognize I'm on thin ground. I, I really do. But I know, I know that, um, that it's really easy for, for you to, to, to read into these things that, that I'm just not saying, but... But I'm not, I don't want you to do that. I, but I, I do believe that when you come here and you expect to meet God, you often will. And, and so when, you're, when you come with those tools, you're ready to go. And, and the way I would say it this way, when it comes with an expectant heart, I kind of wrote it down. And this is kind of how I said it. When it. Go to the next one. Yeah, How you enter worship affects what happens in worship. All right? How you enter worship affects what happens in worship. Now listen, I'm going to be the first to tell you, there's some days, you guys probably think I'm joking around, there's some days, the fact that you made it to the campus is a miracle of holy God, right? I mean, especially if you've got kids. The fact that you got there or you overslept, everybody does that kind of stuff. Don't, don't beat yourself up for that. But I'm saying how you come into these rooms affects what happens in these rooms. And the, the, the mentality that you have So you need to come and you need to expect to meet with God. There's something about expectancy. You know, every Sunday when I leave our house and and I come down Liberty and then I hit Franklin Road and I drive down Franklin Road, there's something that happens to me and I I believe the Lord is going to meet with us. And I I do. I believe he's going to meet with us. And so I think there's this... um, Whatever you need to do to get yourself in that place for a minute, that, that matters a lot. And that, that would lead me to my, my, my other truth I want to share with you when it comes to setting the sails and then God can make the wind blow when it comes to how to hear the voice of God. I would say it to you this way. Come to give God worship, never to receive an experience. I've learned that in my Christian life. Come to give God worship, not to receive an experience. You know, friends, the, the, the reality is, and nobody's immune. I mean, I, I, I face this. I do. We are all consumers. We consume. We consume data. We consume food. I mean, every day of your life, you are consuming. It's about you. It's about you. And we, we use that phrase negatively. I mean it in the most literal sense. Everything's about us all the time. Customer service, right? Customer service. All the things that make us us and how our economy works and, you know, the kind of meal you receive and the attitude in which they brought you the meal and everything. We are consumers. And we're crazy to think that that doesn't rub off. It does, man. We're, it rubs off on all of us. But I would say to you, if you want to, listen to me, Christian, listen to me, seriously. If you want to experience God, when you come here, come to give, not to get. Come to give, not to get. 
And let me tell you why that matters. If you look in 1 Chronicles 16, look at what the Bible says. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. We owe him that. He is owed a debt that we give glory to him to bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Look at the first part of that verse, First Chronicles 16. Ascribe, give, give to the Lord the glory he is owed. Give to the Lord the glory he is owed. It made me think about another Psalm 100. I love this verse. You've, there's even an old song back in the day. We used to sing this in church when I was younger. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with, with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. But I want you to look at that verse for a minute. It's hard not to look at that verse and not sing that song. Enter his gates. You know, that's hard, right? It's easier if you sing it. Um, but look at, well, look at the first part of that Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come here with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Let me tell you what that does. Let me tell you what that does, man. No kidding. That frames up your mind. In fact, um, you know, like glasses, right? What These things frame up how I see you right now. They, they literally box in my vision and they give it certain types of clarity. So the, the truth is what praise does is praise frames up how you look at the world. Right? I, I don't always do it. In fact, probably I don't do it more than I actually do it. But I'm trying to build a habit that when I wake up in the morning, and I get up pretty early, but when I, when I wake up in the morning, I, I'm probably 30%, but I used to be at zero, so I'm, I'm, I'm making strides. But I'm, I'm about 30% of the days I will tell myself, I try to, I try to speak to my soul and speak to God and say, God, this is your day. Don't let me miss anything. It's a good day. It's your day. It's your day. And I'm your man. And let me interpret the world with your eyes. And let me see what you see. And then I often tell God, frame up my attitude. Right? And that's hard to remember. But I'm telling you, praise frames up how you look at worship. Come to worship for God and to give God worship, not to get. So let me ask you a, a very uh, uh, application question here. How different, how different would worship be for you? How different would worship be if you didn't care what song we sung? How different would worship be for you if you didn't care what we sang? You didn't care when it was written, if it was written 300 years ago or 30 days ago. I'm going to bet. You know, the Bible says, by the way, if, you, if you're one of those Christians that doesn't like new songs, i got two things to say to you. One, heaven's going to be a letdown. All right? Because the Bible says in heaven, we're singing what? New songs. All right? So new songs. You do realize that there, if you're one of these people that are, like, really, like, big on, like, no new songs, you do realize that there was a point in human history where Amazing Grace was a new song. There was a point in time that It Is Well With My Soul was a new song. And somebody somewhere sitting in some church somewhere in Europe hated it because it was a new song. Right? Don't be one of those people. All right? In fact, if you're one of those people, don't you ever come to Clearview Baptist Church. I'm just totally kidding. That's a good joke, too. Y'all missed that one. Y'all, we've got to get back in the rhythm of my bad jokes. I'm going to help y'all with that. No. If you came to church with... The attitude of, I don't care where we sing. I don't care if I'm in the chapel. I don't care if I'm in here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give God the glory. D 
do his name. I'm going to tell you what. What do you want to bet? On those days, the preaching's better. Promise you the preaching will be better. Right? Because if, if, if the preaching isn't working, it's on you, friend. It ain't on me. Whatever. No, but the reality is God deserves it, doesn't he? But if I'm confessing to you right now, there's been times I've sat in church going, it's hot in here. Or uh, these chairs. I'm serious. I've done that kind of stuff. I think if COVID's taught us anything, it's taught us to be glad we have a church at all. Be glad we can come together. Because there are people right now in other countries that are facing very real government oppression, even without COVID. There are people meeting in secret, hoping nobody knows. We don't have to do that. So what else can you do to set the sails and let let the wind blow? I would say this, quiet your soul before God when you arrive. Quiet your soul before God when you arrive. And I say, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that, Jason? I'll tell you, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 131. It's a short psalm. Now, it, it, this is what David said in Psalm 131. He said, oh, Lord, my heart, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. It means I'm not, I'm not arrogant. I don't want to be arrogant. Nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. There's more to that psalm, but I want you to leave that up there for just a minute. So what is the soul? You hear us talk about it a lot. It's your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions. It's your attitude. It's it's where you feel. It's where you connect with other people. Your soul, according to the Bible, can be downcast. It can be up. It's your your deepest part of you. And so what I love about David is he says, surely I have quieted my soul. How different would worship be for you? I'm not kidding. And Alexis and I have talked about this a lot. And Zach, and we've talked about this. We haven't figured this out yet, but we're going to figure it out. And I don't know the best way that we can figure it out, but we're going to figure it out as a worship team. There's something that happens when you come to church when you can quiet your soul. You know, life is full of noise if you haven't noticed. Research is coming out all the time especially with phones and notifications, that our minds, do you realize that with the way data works now, there is research coming out from Harvard all the way down to, I mean, just you would, all over the place, that our brains are physically changing because of the way we consume data on devices. It's, it's being proven scientifically. Our world, even without phones, it moves at a fast pace all the time. Our pace is out of control. And so what did David say? He said, I composed my soul. How different, friend, would worship be for you? How different would worship be if when you got here, even if you're 10 minutes late, don't sing. What if you did? What if you sat in that chair and you just sat down and you took a deep breath and you cleared your mind and you powered down your heart, and you, were, you told yourself, I am going to be where my feet are. I know it was hard getting here, 
or I had an argument with somebody, or I've had a tough week, or I hit traffic, or my little baby threw up on the way. I mean, all that's real. But when you did get into the room, if you said, God, I'm here now, I'm here now, and I want to be here now, how different do you think that would be? Let me tell you something, friends. Now, I'm, I'm not, uh, again, this isn't something coming out of some verse somewhere. But I want you to hear me really close, or you're going to misquote me, and then you're going to think I'm being a legalist, and I'm not being a legalist. But I, I, want, I want to talk to you for a minute, just for a second. You know, we live in a world that we are connected to devices all the time. Some employers are even trying to figure out. There's even complaints in the workforce now that, that boundaries are just non-existent. You know, some people just can't get away from work. Sometimes that's, just, that's their fault. But there are also bosses that, you know, text you at 10 o'clock at night. Your mind can never rest sometimes. And I want to say to you, what do we, back, back in the day, back in the day, what did we call the worship center? Sanctuary. We called it a sanctuary. Refuge. A place that was different. Now, some of you, you got your Bible on your phone. That's awesome. Keep it there. But I want to challenge you with something. Are you listening to me? This is going to get like super personal for a second. So put your seatbelt on. What do you want to bet that if you powered off your phone? I didn't mean silence it. I'm talking about shut that thing all the way in. You know, it does have an off button. It's just hard to find. You got to know how to do it. Really? You think that was by accident? So if you were to power down your device and bring, bring one of those, let me tell you, it's good that you have a Bible on your phone. But you know, you do realize, Christian friend, you were only one I don't care if you're sitting there and you're tracking with me and you're right along in Exodus and you're reading, reading, reading. You are only one notification away from total implosion. One notification away. There's a big water leak in the office. You got to get here now. And you're not even a plumber. You get a, a zinger of an email from one of your staff members. You're just you're one notification away from total implosion. And what I'm saying, you know, in, in fact, um, I told my son, my oldest son, Cole, um, he's going to hear this. I typically try to clear illustrations with him before I ever use them. And sorry, buddy, but this, you're going to come out good. So just hang in there. But I remember when he got his first smartphone. One of the reasons he wanted it was because he could have his Bible on his phone and he could bring it to church like his buddies were doing. And I said, man, do it. That's cool. I said, but I tell you what, if you're going to, whatever you do, bring your phone, but bring your Bible. Bring your Bible to church. And here's why. Our sons and daughters need to know where Romans is and where it falls in the, in the New Testament. They need to know the prison epistles and why they are called the prison epistles. They need to know 
why the Ezekiel is a prophet and where he falls in that. And if, if, if our sons and daughters just grow up, and for many of you, you know, we just, it's easier to find. I, I love digital versions and don't think I'm knocking digital versions. I'm not doing that. What I am saying, friends, it's not really so much about the way you consume it or, or the, the fact that it's on a device. My point is our minds never leave those phones. And I'm saying to you, you need to carve out space in your life that is device free. You need to carve out space in your life that is device free. You know, when I really want to be with God, I will leave that phone in a different room because I find myself reaching for it, if I'm being honest. I find myself, you ever, don't raise your hand because I'm just going to tell you we're all guilty. You ever find yourself a little bit anxious when you haven't checked your phone in a few minutes? I'm not looking at anybody, right? All of us do. Me, all of us do that. I'm saying we need sanctuary. We need sanctuary to quiet our soul before the Lord. And there's something about sitting in worship with a Bible and a pen and a piece of paper and a quieted soul it says, speak to me, God. It matters. It matters a lot. And the last thing I'll share with you this morning about how to set the sails so that God can blow the wind. Let's go to the next one. This is our last truth. When you come to church, ask God to reveal barriers as you worship. Say, so what do you mean by that, Jason? Ask God to, to reveal the barriers. Well... These are a few places that I want to take you in the scriptures. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. We're almost done. When it comes to revealing barriers, let me tell you what I, I often do. And I don't, I don't, I'm not 100% at it, but I, I try to be. I try to work hard on this. There are blockers in your heart, your spirit, your soul. There are blockers in your mind that can hinder God speaking to you. Do you know that? Do you know that there are actual blockers that will keep the voice of God from you? There are. So when you come to worship, you need to quiet your soul and you need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that could block me hearing you today? Because, see, I'm under the assumption, I'm under the assumption that if you're going to get in your vehicle and come to church, you did it because you wanted to. I'm going to be under that assumption. You did it because you wanted to. You're a grown adult. You didn't have to be here. So I'm, I'm under the assumption that you wanted to meet with God, okay? So if we're going to meet with God, we need to ask him, is there a barrier? One of, the, one of those barriers is something that Jesus said. I, boy, I think about this verse almost every Sunday. I'm not kidding, man. This is a big one. This is a big deal to God. I'm telling you, it's a big deal. Matthew 5. Jesus said, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, the offering plate's coming. It's coming by you. And you remember that your brother, that is somebody in your life, that may not be your actual brother, but you remember that somebody has something against you. Leave your offering. In other words, don't give it. There at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and present your offering. So by that verse, my giving is out of whack a lot. I mean, there, I'm not kidding. By that verse, there have been many times I've given to God while having a broken being upset with somebody over here that I don't want to think about. And sometimes it's not even, and, and, and Grant, look, and some of you are going, well, Jason, what about my mom who won't speak to me anymore? 
We hadn't spoken in 10 years. Hey, Jason, what about my brother or my brother's wife who, who she just, she's mad at us? Listen, friends, the Bible says as much as it depends on you, live at peace. You can't control that. You can't control those things. Some of you just have, you know, all of us in the room have our own set of manic weirdos in our life, right? We just do. We all got people in our lives that it doesn't always work well with. And sometimes that's our fault and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you've done all you can do. That, that, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if you're sideways with somebody in the present, as much as it depends on you, you need to live at peace with all people, says Paul. So Jesus says, don't, don't, don't give. So you need to ask yourself. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. When I think of that verse, let me, let me tell you, what, what does anger do? If you're, if, you're, if you're upset with somebody, what does anger do? It makes you bitter, doesn't it? On the inside? You ever felt resentment? You ever been resentful towards somebody because they hurt you? I mean, they, what they did should have hurt. I mean, you're not, you're a human. It should have hurt. And then you bring that into the church because you're a human. You should bring it into church. You're not a bad person. You're a very normal person for doing that. But if you, were, if you let bitterness grow up in your heart, friend, let me tell you, it will toxify everything about you. Some of you are so angry at your dad. You're just mad. Some of you are really angry at that person that fired you 10 years ago. And every time you think of their name, your whole demeanor changes. The reality is the Lord wants you to have a free heart. He's not saying that because he's mean. That is incredibly loving. He's saying, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. But you're so mad you can't hear. So I don't want that stuff in your life. Then James chapter 4. Boy, this is a big verse. Look, this is our last verse of the day. To ask God about blockers. Look at what James 4 says. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, I'm going to leave that there for a minute. That's a, that's a very important verse for worship, I believe. Listen, you, we're going to break that down just real fast because that will help you a lot on Sunday worship. Let's look at the first part of that verse. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there, here's a question you can ask yourself. If you got notes this morning, I'd write this down. Is there anything you need to rebuke? Right? Look at this. Let's go to the next one. Is there, is there anything you need to rebuke? Look at what James said. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, some of you as Baptists don't know what it, rebuking means. I'm going to tell you what it means. I'm going to help you with that real quick, all right? You have an enemy, and that enemy, is, it says in John 10.10, 10, is there to steal, kill, and destroy, all right? But the Bible says you are to take captive your thoughts over the enemy, Right? So there's times that the enemy's trying to get in your head. There are times, some of you, you ever walk into worship and feel really low? You ever feel depressed? You ever feel like you're not good enough? You think that's coming from God? You think, you think that God's telling you, if they only knew what you did, don't you think they would know? How can you be here? You know what you looked at last night. You know what you did in that sales meeting. Right? You know that voice of shame. Guilt and shame are two different things. 
that voice of shame. You think that comes from your father? No, it doesn't come from your father. That comes from the devil, and you need to rebuke that. You need to rebuke that. And the Bible says you've been given the authority in Christ to have the mind of Christ. So some of you need to come into worship, and you need to center your heart before the Lord, and you need to say, God, I will take no distractions today. I rebuke anything that comes against me in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something, friend. That's just good Christianity. That's just good Christianity. There's another question you could ask based on James. Is there any sin you need to repent from that's glaring at you? Notice what James said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Is there any sin that you need to repent from that is glaring at you? Now, let, let, let me tell you why I phrased it that way. Because if you were raised in the church, you were raised to know that anytime you can't hear the voice of God, surely you have done something to offend him greatly, right? And that's just not true. Sometimes God just isn't ready to speak to you. Sometimes he's silent. Not because he's mean. He's just letting some things unfold. You haven't done anything wrong. You're not a bad person. You're not a bad Christian. He's just not ready to talk yet. And so the, the truth is, we, are, we automatically think, or, or, you know, like, you ever do this? I've done this to show you how manic I can be. Like, I start asking God, like, is there any sin I committed in 2012 that I didn't repent from? And, you know, you start going back in your head over all this stuff that you could have, would have done, should have done, maybe didn't do. Because that's just, don't, I'm going to give you a really big theological word. Don't do that. Don't do that. It'll handcuff you. But there are times that you are not wanting to look at something over here because you know that God's telling you, I, I'm not going to deal with all this other stuff, Jason, until you deal with that. Because we've been talking about that, and until we talk more about that, I'm not talking about anything else you want to talk about. And that's just a good, loving, heavenly father trying to get stuff out of your life. And then there's one last question I would ask when you come into worship. Is there any place where you are out of alignment with God? Where are you out of alignment with God? When James says, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. I just talked about double-mindedness last week. It means two-souled. It means a place where you have divided loyalties. Oh, listen to me, Christian. Listen to me. It's important that you hear me right now. It's important that you understand that we can live in two worlds, the world of what I want to do and the world of what God wants me to do. And as long as you straddle that kind of world, you're going to get, hear me, you're going to get the best that you have to offer. You're going to get the best you have to offer. And if you want the best God has to offer, you have to give up rights to yourself and be all in. You got to be all in. So you can't be double-minded. So when you come to worship, you know what you got to do? You got to say, God, if I'm resisting you, and isn't it funny how often in worship you know what the it is? You ever had that? I, there's often I know what the it is. And you're singing to God, and you're praying, and you hear that voice saying, you better deal with that. And you don't. You're out of alignment. Doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you a Christian that's actually hearing God speak. Isn't that the goal? You're hearing the Lord speak. So I'm here to tell you this morning, friends, that how you enter worship, how you enter worship affects 
what happens in worship. The how affects the what. The how affects the what. How you enter worship affects what God does in worship. Don't ever forget it.